Welcome back to Hero Talk with Talix and Trev. I'm Talix. And I'm Trev. And today, we swinging back into action with Spider-Man No Way Home. Alright, so Trev, was there anything that made you smile this week? Yes, when I found out we were going to go see the movie. I was so happy in the little chair. I was just so happy. Yeah, I thought it would be a surprise. Nice surprise. You know, you did pretty good this year in school and stuff. And so I figured we might as well do a nice little thing towards the end of the year. So that was something that I wanted to surprise you with. So in doing so, we get to do this, which is one of the things that we enjoy, which is doing an emergency episode. All right, Trev, do you got a joke? Yeah. What did Peter Parker say when he was in traffic? Mm, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. What did he say? Oh, man, there's no way home. <laughs> okay, okay. That was good. I like that one. I like that one. That's, that's, thinking, that's thinking on your toes. Um, What do you call a magic plate? What? A saucer supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for high-quality, family-friendly podcasts? Shows that are safe for younger or more sensitive listeners? Podicongo is a reliable corner of the internet for the kind of podcasts that everyone can enjoy. From educational programs to conversational topics and incredible storytelling and role-playing shows in a variety of styles, themes, and age groups. Podicongo is a group of independent podcast creators dedicated to creating high-quality programs that provide family fun for everyone. Visit podicongo.com for an ever-growing lineup of shows, complete with descriptions and ways you can listen. Connect with the Podicon Go family-friendly podcast network on Facebook and Twitter. P-O-D-I-C-O-N. Go! It's podcast fun for everyone. Podicon Go! All right, so do you have a favorite line? Mm-hmm. It was sort of like a green elf. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Because he did look like an elf with the pointy hair. The pointy hat. The pointy costume. Um, my my favorite one, which was just like, it, like I know normally we kind of wait until towards the end to kind of like relate the movie to other movies and stuff like that. But this movie in itself related itself to other movies. And so, and and you heard me say it when he said it. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. That was my favorite line because it was a callback. Yes. Yes, it was good. So, Talix, do you have anybody who you thought was the MVP? Dr. Otto Octavius, MVP of the movie. Now, uh, he was he was awesome as the start off point, in, you know, in the beginning and everything like that. And this started out early with him, you know, attacking the bridge and stuff. And so it was pretty cool for him to do that then to get befuddled and confused about which Peter it was. And then he pretty, he like, I mean, yes, he still was trying to kill everybody, but he was still cool for the most part. And then he became like, he came in at the end with a big save, like on a lot of different situations. Like he had a big save when stopping Electro and stopping Goblin. Like he did a great job in being a helpful person because in general, he's actually a, uh, a, a a cool dude. It's just that um that when he had to deal with having the arms on him, that's what caused him to kind of go out. And so, him coming in and doing as much as he did, like being just like a 
like a like having a great redemption arc within the movie, MVP status for Doc Ock. Ah, you took mine. Oh, well, what's some of the reasons you feel that he was? I felt that he was just because it was like he was sort of funny throughout the um the movie. Right. And so with with everything you said, but then being a still funny person and then the um and then another line from the old movie with the um with the power of the sun in the palm of my hand that one that one was cool that was pretty cool and then and, and, and even within that you kind of like you realize he was making an arc reactor kind of in the other one like this it's like the same type of power in it you know like just like the like a like a like a non-extinguishing continual power unit and so that was something that was pretty awesome i thought that was yeah yeah i totally agree with that that was pretty awesome on that part and of course we we love doc and then and then another thing about doc he was like he's the kind of he's the kind of character that still was like doing a whole bunch of talking like, he's one of the villains that kind of, like, talk to you. Like, of course, Green Goblin does that, too. But Doc Ock also does that a lot, too. And he was like, man, like, those those arms were doing a lot of damage on that bridge. Like, you, you forget how versatile and how powerful he can be until he got, you know, in this movie. So, definitely, yes, big up to Doc Ock. All right, so let's talk about our favorite costume in the in this movie. Which one was yours? Peter Parker. Okay, what which Peter Parker? The Peter One. Peter One, so so MCU universe Peter Parker. Yeah. Okay, and so what what about his uniform? Which which because he had a couple of different uniforms. So which uniform that he had was your favorite one? I like the Far From Home one. That had like the nanotech in it. Okay, so you so so the, was it the Iron Spider one or was it the one that kind of like had the nanotech on it as well? Because those are two different ones. Remember the one that Doc Ock gave him after. Okay, he so them. just okay, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. That one was pretty smooth. I really liked that one a lot. Um, man, to be honest with you, the people that did the costume design in this movie, they were all killing it like they all did a great job on what they were doing um one of the people that i felt had one of the best okay it's i'm sorry i can't help it but it's it's multiple ones that have great costumes to me because first off the um uh, the nanotech doc ock when he had the red outlines on his um claws and stuff like that that was super awesome um electro getting the true to comic as well as as a modified version of his of his suit and stuff like that. So of course, when you look at Electro, like within the comics, there are some comics in which he is just like like just energy, like that blue energy dude and all that stuff. But then also being able to have you know a a, a relatively down to earth suit, but also the electric um the electric currents going around him making that. You know that 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 energy burst face mask that he has that he's in when he's in the comics as well. I thought that was awesome. Um, I'm super super partial to the newest 
Spider-Man uniform that he had, like the one to where he took the hints from the other Spider-Man and made them more like a more shiny blue. And it was like covered more blue and stuff like that. Like I thought that was so awesome because this version of Spider-Man usually has more red in his costumes and stuff like that. And so he kind of took hints from the other Spider-Man to make it more blue. And I was like, oh, it's like a throwback. And it made it so awesome. Like, like it was all. And then, and not only that, we got Hobgoblin. We actually got to see, I mean, it's a modified version of Hobgoblin, but we got to see Hobgoblin with the Green Goblin with, you know, the tatters, the tattered clothes all around with the hood on and stuff like that. Also, wasn't Ned supposed to end up being Hobgoblin? That's why I said it was kind of like a modified version of it. It's kind of like how in the, um, when we just did our Black Widow episode, how Taskmaster wasn't truly Taskmaster. It was another character. Uh, it's kind of like that. Like they just kind of like threw that in there because they probably, actually, we don't know. They might still give him a hobgoblin because I mean, yes, this version of Spider-Man, this universe Sp version of Spider-Man, Oscorp doesn't exist. But who knows? Ned might just become um, hobgoblin because Ned doesn't know Spider-Man in this. In, at, at the end of the movie, Ned doesn't know him, and we don't know what Ned is going for because he seemed to be kind of cool, but he also seemed to kind of be like. A little a little aloof or a little off more much less much less in you know dorky than he was in the other movies and stuff like that so that's definitely something we can kind of look toward and see but overall man great job on the costumes across the board all right so what's your favorite setting my favorite setting is happy's condo or the place it was. You know, I like that one a lot. That was one of the ones I was thinking about. So why was it your favorite? I feel like when it was like before all the fighting, I thought it really, really looked nice and clean and I liked that. And then with all the fighting and stuff, it made a really cool dramatic background that was similar to in Homecoming when Spider-Man got trapped under the rubble uh, against Vulture. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that one. My favorite setting, I kind of go back and forth, but I want to say the Empire, not the Empire State Building, but the um, the Statue of Liberty with the Captain America shield. I just really felt like, that felt like a Spider-Man fight setting you know what i'm saying like it had a whole bunch of things that you can web swing on it had a whole bunch of things you had to be agile to kind of get around and go through and stuff and so most definitely the statue of liberty was my favorite one just out of all of it so now it's time for our favorite scene talix what's yours favorite scene is the spider-man green goblin fight inside of um, the apartment building, that happy, the condo building that Happy stayed in. And I I guess I'll talk about it now. One of the things that I really love about the Green Goblin, especially like this iteration with Willem Dafoe playing him, is that he's not no acrobatic, you know, super acrobatic fighter that's jumping around doing all this other stuff. He is just like a bare knuckle, just like street fight kind of dude like all his moves are just regular punches kicks and 
what you would see if you thought you knew how to do professional wrestling. Because he powerbombed Spider-Man through a floor. And it was so awesome to see. And I guess that that also makes it hard to hard to deal with. Just because it's like normally you're expecting this extremely technical smooth punch. And this man just like, nope, I'm just going to just swing as hard as I possibly can to try to knock you down. So them fighting through the building and going down floor to floor to floor to floor. Like that was really awesome to me. What about you? My favorite scene was more so towards the end when Andrew Garfield and um, Tobey Maguire, they were there, and he was just like, you're in a lot of pain, aren't you? I was like, that that, that was funny. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Speaking of, since we're, since we're talking about scenes and stuff like that, let's look at what, which, it was so funny to see all of them get together. And it was so awesome to see Andrew Garfield come through first, and then you know them try to figure out how they how they prove that he was him, and then have Tobey Maguire come through, and it was just like, even within the theater, it was just like a, it's just like everybody was so happy to see them. Like we knew they were there, but I mean, seeing them on screen and knowing they're on screen is two different things. And like seeing them on screen, it was just definitely so awesome and so fun to see them just kind of come back. And so I felt like that was really awesome to see. Yeah. Oh, another scene I really loved was when um, Andrew Garfield saved um, MJ. Oh, yes. He got um, the redemption arc. That was, yes, yes. I love that. Because it was, because it was, the, it's the same setup. It's just like the, he couldn't, he couldn't save her and he was trying to save her and he just couldn't. And she ended up dying in, in The Amazing Spider-Man. And in this iteration of Spider-Man, he was able to save her. And so it's just like he got that catharsis of being able to do what he wasn't able to do before. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the scenes where they were making jokes about the organic webs. Ah, yes. Yes. I mean, I would I would be asking questions too like why like how come they coming out your wrist man like what are you doing like are you actually like are you a spider that turned into a man did you get bit by a radioactive human is that what happened <laughs> that's why you can do that <laughs> all right so what did you think didn't make sense or made no sense within this movie so in the cuts in the sky from people coming in who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. There was um there was some being that looked relatively close to something in Eternals. Yeah. And I was like how does that connect to anything that has to do with Spider-Man? I mean, to be honest with you, if we're talking about just like multiversal Spider-Man, it could be some of anything to be honest with you. And even within that, I think I saw, I think I saw like the Rhino from a different, um, from, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. So, and actually, I don't even know. I don't even think that was, I don't even think that was Amazing Spider-Man Rhino. I think that was Spider-Man, the animated series from the 90s Rhino, because it didn't look like it was like a mechanical suit. It looked like it was just like the smooth Rhino horn on it. So, hey, look, it's all kinds of stuff going on like that. So that that seemed to be that seemed to be pretty cool. Um one of the things that didn't seem to make sense to me was Doc Connor's motivation 
like the lizard like i understand he kind of like has the lizard like brutality and all that stuff but it seemed like he was just looking for a reason to cause some chaos and that was pretty much it and so it just seemed like he didn't have like much of a motivation it seemed like you know it seemed like Electro had a motivation because he wanted to become stronger. He wanted to be his ideal self. Green Goblin wanted to be Green Goblin. And Doc Ock, he wanted to, you know, once he got a chance to kind of get himself out of that control of the, he felt a lot better. And so it was like, it seemed like Doc Connors didn't really have motivation to kind of do anything that he was doing and much the same as Kane on Kane Flint with Sandman. He seemed like he just was like cool at first. And then he was like, some, Nope, we just going to fight. And so it just seemed like they just were kind of like uneven, but I mean, that's, that's literally that's just me nitpicking stuff. And then there was like with towards the beginning with, um, Spider-Man when he first met Doc Ock, it was like, he was like a whole bunch of jokes and laughing and stuff like in that situation. Out of his series and the, the real name thing, something else that happened with Doctor Strange, who he had just had a conversation with, it was like it was really, really strange to me. Also, um, if we're talking about like earlier on in the movie, another one of the things that didn't make much sense was okay, how how is Ned just a sorcerer? Like, is that actually like was that actually something that was real? Like his like his family did have some kind of magic aptitude, just natural magic aptitude. Like, was that, was that what they were saying? Or was it just pure luck that he was able to kind of like use the, use the, the ring? Who knows? But I mean, I'm pretty sure that there is something in the comics, but I just didn't know at the time. So yeah, there was like, there was some other things. There was one with, um, it was like, I don't know how to explain, but it was like, it didn't make sense to me when Green Goblin was sort of just like flying around and then pretending to be, you know, not the Green Goblin. I was like, if you're strong enough to fight him as it is, you were going to do this speech anyway. Why not do it earlier? Take him out and then not have to deal with these early, with these other Spider-Men. Yeah. Sometimes I think the Green Goblin, he just wants to like, his, his, his problem is, is he likes to gloat and in gloating, he kind of gives other people opportunities to kind of come around. And like, I think that that's probably what it was. Now, Charlie, you and I have a deal. I'll be back for Christmas, which isn't that long from now. And you are going to make new friends and help Aunt Nani. You can't just leave me! Truly, I won't be gone long, and Aunt Nani needs your help. You don't need to keep saying it! Charlie, I know this makes you sad, and I know you're sad because you love me. Promise me you'll be helpful. Okay. I love you. The Happy Go Lucky Podcast, producers of Charlie Saves Christmas, bring you our next heartwarming adventure. Cassie and the Spectral Shade opens April 6th, 2020.
So now it's time for you doing a lot. Do you have anything? Yeah, the entire movie with Doc Strange. Like, dude, you doing the absolute most. Is you like, yeah, you're trying to see here and blame Spider-Man for changing the spell, but you're the one that ran the spell up in the first place and allowed the edits. Had you not allowed any edits and just ran the spell as it should have been, it would have been just a smooth transition. Everything would have been cool. We'd have been able to do everything. But no, you wanted to try to be cool and switch up the spell because you're arrogant. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. So, what about you? It's also something to do with the spell. Like, you're doing a lot to try and erase everyone but these select few people's minds. Like, just call the college, like Dr. Strange said. Like, just you could have just called the college, but no. You think about changing the timeline before calling the college. You know, I think that that's an actual very important lesson within that story is that sometimes the things that we think we have to do something hugely drastic about, it's really simple if we just, you know, utilize the right resource, we call the right person, we reach out to the right, you know, thing, and you just get to do that. So, yeah, most definitely. Okay, so Trev, what's something that you thought was funny that happened in the movie? I thought the characters themselves was funny because of the overall confusion especially when the three spider-men met up it was like that was like peter all of them answered and like peter parker and it's like it's the same one spider-man it's the same person <laughs> that was pretty funny and then even when they was on the all even when they were on the empire not the empire i keep saying empire state building but even when they were on the statue of liberty they were doing like peter one peter two peter three and peter two and peter three got mixed up and so they mm-hmm. was unsure about that that was funny and then the funny thing to me was um when you had Peter three talking to Electro and he was, you know, he was, <laughs> he was like, so man, you know, you I see you out here, you're saying around, you're helping poor people and stuff like that, man. I just I just I just thought you were black. <laughs> and so that was funny. It's like, you know, I think it's probably you know it's one of them it's a black Spider-Man out there somewhere in the thing. And I'm like, oh, so you just gonna give us you're gonna give us a Miles Morales kind of like teaser right at that moment. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. You can do a little bit better. And then one last thing, one last thing is that when when Peter 2 is talking to Peter 3 and he's telling me, he's like, you're amazing, man. You're amazing. Say it. You're amazing because he's the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, I also liked it when um, it was funny because when Peter 2 showed up, he just jumped on the ceiling. He was like, is this enough? And Jay was like, no, no, it's not. It's crawl, crawled over there, got the spider web, took it down, and went back over. He was like, is that enough? No, that's Peter 3. That, I mean, that's the second Peter we saw, but that was Peter 3. In so, the, that was, oh, yeah, it was Peter 3. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, as you can see, it's still confusing. <laughs> the Andrew Garfield spider, that one. There we are. The amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. So what's something you felt was smart within this movie? Something smart was when um uh it was it was when Peter was um thinking about what he could have done. I mean, sure it wasn't smart that he didn't think about calling the college, but at the same time 
Unless you're Barry Allen from the CW Flash, you don't think I'm going to change the timeline. That's so, very true. I could, I could definitely understand that. And I think also something that I felt was um was smart was just the way that they interlaced all the stories. Like, they were able to show, okay, so the Amazing Spider-Man was really angry. Or the original Spider-Man, he was really, like, kind of down and he had to kind of, like, do a whole bunch of growing up and stuff like that. And then even within this, like, MCU Spider-Man, he had to deal with, like, becoming that rage, you know? Like, that anger that can push him over the edge and stuff like that. And I felt it was smart for each of their stories to kind of, like, play off one of another. And I think that's what we mentioned earlier on the podcast when we were talking about saving, you know, MJ instead of saving um, Wynn. And so I felt like it was something that it was a, it was a, it was a bonus in that case because it was something that, ha- that happened that they did to overlay him really good. So I felt that, that was smart. Oh, now it's time for something that we need. Tyler, do you have anything? I just want all the Spider-Man costumes. All of them. I think they're so all they're all so cool. They're all so awesome. I want all of them. <laughs> wow. Um me I think I would need the ring cuz I just want to like be able to teleport anywhere anytime. It's like, oh, it's hot. Don't worry. I could be just somewhere completely different. That's or, fair enough. That's fair enough. Or I'm in the ocean drowning or something. Oh, now I'm on land at home. Yeah, just just don't, you know, teleport the ocean into your home. You might not want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Do that. <laughs> Okay, so normally we have a debate at this time frame within the show, but I feel like this show, this movie in particular, had a different kind of feel to it. And so it was a whole bunch of different questions that we had to ponder. And it's a whole bunch of different things that we had to look at. And I kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were on those things that kind of came up and stuff like that. So let's look at one of the, the big things that we talked one of the big things that was within the show is how far is too far and what i mean by that is like how far do we allow our anger to go do you think that it was justified for peter to get as mad as he did at the end or do you think that he probably should have went a different route i think it was justified you think it was justified why because one, imagine trying so hard to help somebody and save them when they were going to die if you didn't. And then they go kill one of the only people you have and then stop you from saving the only other person you have. I mean, Ned was there, but... Right, right. I mean, even Ned was in danger. He he fell off the thing just as much as, as MJ. So I, I kind of... I, the the thing about it is is because sometimes when we look at stuff as such a black and white um kind of situation we don't take into account that it's nuance within that right and so if we were to look at stuff and say hey oh you did me wrong i have to do you wrong then where does it end at because if 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 my thing is is that you did something wrong to me so now i got to get vengeance 
why is my pain more important than other people? Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Because any person to be a villain, they have to have hurt somebody, right? They had to have killed somebody, right? And in any other situation, Spider-Man would have just tried to apprehend the villain. But because it was his Aunt May that got injured and killed, then he felt he felt it was more justified to try to take out the Green Goblin and stuff. And so is that does that is his pain more important than other people's pain? That's the question I got for you. Hmm. No. No. No, it isn't. So does that shift your answer at all? Mm. Yeah. Slightly? I mean, I can understand. I can understand being angry, but sometimes we have to we have to look at the the big picture of stuff. And what is the big picture of Spider-Man? He's been and sometimes the difficult thing is is when he was having to deal with the Daily Bugle. He was having to deal with, you know, James Jonah Jameson, Spider-Man's a menace, Spider-Man's a villain, Spider-Man's a killer, Spider-Man's doing all these evil things. And sometimes when people are doing different things or saying different things to you, you feel as if you should retaliate and say, oh, well, if you see me as this anyway, why should I do anything to try to avoid being seen as that? Because it doesn't matter what I try to do, you're going to see me that way. But the thing about being a hero is that you have to be able to elevate yourself past that. You have to be able to come out on top and say, hey, I'm not going to allow the actions of other people to determine my actions. I get to choose the actions that I take. And if I choose to be a hero, that means that I need to be able to try to help people and to not be out for vengeance. Now, you have different heroes that have different things. This is one of the big differences between Spider-Man and Batman is, is that Spider-Man is looking to try to bring people to justice and Batman does too, but a lot of his stuff is about vengeance and stuff. And so, that's where the big difference is in in my opinion in that situation. So we talked about vengeance and we talked about going the extra mile whenever we're angry about stuff like that. So which villain do you think had the most reason to do the things that they did? Um Electro probably. Electro's story is kind of really sad because he's a guy who looked up to Spider-Man. He wanted to, you know, be like Spider-Man. And it's just like at every turn, everything just went wrong for him. And sometimes that's what, and I think that that's kind of like what I was talking about with how sometimes people treat you a certain way. And so you're like, okay, well, if you're going to treat me a certain way, then I'm going to treat you whatever way I want to do it. You know, so a genuinely a decent person can be pushed to places to where they don't actually truly normally go to. But at the very same time, they can do something like that and just kind of come out of it and push themselves in a negative situation. And you don't always want to put yourself in that negative situation. So you got to be able to pull yourself out of it. And and I think that that's the difference between if we're talking about like heroes and villains, like we're looking at the the shades of gray that they live within and what's your shade of gray like were you were you spider-man would you have tried to take out 
the Green Goblin? Or if you were the other Spider-Man, would you try to stop him from taking out the Green Goblin? Uh, if I were the other Spider-Man, I I probably would have been closer to where Andrew was, or Peter three. I would I probably would have just stood back and watched. I probably would have waited to see what Spider-Man two would would have done. If he didn't do anything, I might would have might have stepped in, but I'm not a hundred percent sure I'd want to interfere. But I would still throw him the cure and everything. That's fair. That's fair. And I mean, even within that, there's a lot of things that we can kind of like talk about. Just kind of like his his mental health kind of being a big factor in the way that he acted like he was, he was, he was mentally unwell at the time when he was doing all these things that he was doing. And that doesn't absolve him from his actions, but also that kind of like paints it a different way as opposed to him just, just on purpose, just doing all this stuff. It's just, that's kind of like how it comes across. Mm-hmm. All right. So what way would you have used to upgrade the movie? I will. I would have somehow figured out a way so that everybody didn't have to forget who Spider-Man was. And I also wouldn't have had Spider-Man change the suit to the blue. I didn't like that at all. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think I just got to disagree with you on that one. I love the blue suit at the end. And I also love that he kind of did a callback to the original Spider-Man with the apartment and stuff. Like it was, it was, it was, it was really, really awesome. Oh yeah, I did notice that because that was like the same one from the um, from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I had said something about that in the theater too. And so that was pretty. That was pretty awesome and stuff. And so the only thing that I wanted was just more Spider-Man interactions with each other i just felt like they just played off of each other so well and i'm just like i wanted like so many movies with all of them together but i understand you know it's it is what it is but i really just wanted even more of them together because i felt like it was really awesome also a real quick fun fact that was within the movie is that we saw daredevil matthew murdoch come in as the lawyer or the legal consultant that they had and so that was pretty awesome and not only that we got to see a lot of the memes like the spider-man pointing meme the spider-man laying on the rail meme and just a whole bunch of different ones at the end credit scene so this movie was pretty awesome all right so we're going from a thread a score of zero to a sinister six with six being great movie, zero being a terrible movie. What do you rate Spider-Man No Way Home? Five out of six. I mean, yeah, five out of six. Five out of six. I give it a 5.35 out of six. I really, really liked the movie a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of great things. The actors did a great job. Um, and, like, can we just give a, a round of applause to Willem Dafoe and the Green Goblin because he played the mess out of that role. He 
he Green Goblin came in like everybody else villains came in. They kind of was going back and forth figuring out what they was going to do. No, Green Goblin said, hey, I'm the Green Goblin and I'm finna Green Goblin to the best of my Green Goblin ability. And that's exactly what he did. He just seemed like having so much fun within the movie. So it was pretty awesome. All right, so, so far as news on the docket, there's not too much going on. We're going to be looking at Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings sometime in the near future, so be on the lookout for that episode of things. Um, most definitely hit us up. Talk to us. Let us know how you felt about the episode. Talk to us and let us know if there's any questions or anything that you wanted to add to the conversation that we were having. Hit us up on Twitter at HeroTalk1, which is Hero Talk and the number one. Or you hit us up on Instagram at HeroTalkTT. Or you can hit us up in Gmail at HeroTalkTT at gmail.com. Hit us up at HeroTalk on TT on our TikTok. We have a whole bunch of different ways. We also have a YouTube page, which is Hero Talk with Talix and Trev. And so hit us up on any of those things. We have links in the description if you would like to click a link to instantly get there. Most definitely hit us up with a rating. Let us know how you feel about it. Hit us up with a five-star alpha rating if you possibly can. Let us know how you feel about it in the comments and stuff. That's what we really love to hear about. We really love to see and hear from you guys and stuff. We really greatly appreciate that. We appreciate you being with us. Now, this has been Hero Talk with Talix and Trev. I'm Talix. And I'm Trev. Because when there's a hero, we talk. Yeah. Thank you.